If you have your Westover app, please open it. If you have a Bible, join me in the book of Joshua, chapter number 1. We're continuing a series, and I'm, I'm concluding the series today entitled, The Power of Yes. And today's message, I want to speak on the subject, A Courageous Yes. A Courageous Yes. In just a moment... The worship team is going to come back out on the platform and we're going to end this service with a worship. And in the worship moment, I'm going to invite you in your faith journey, wherever that's at, whatever your faith journey is, to give God the most courageous, bold, ambitious yes. Whatever you feel God stirring in your heart to say yes to the Lord. I heard this, that this week right here, this is the third week of the year, and it's this week that people are going to give up on New Year's resolutions. That's what they say. They start off, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose weight. You're already giving up. I'm going to pay off the credit card. Don't, you're already giving up because you found something you want to buy on Amazon. Some of you, some of you made a New Year's resolution. You're going to bring the pastor homemade chocolate cookies chip cookies. Don't give up on that resolution. Please don't give up on that resolution. Right now, just because we're caught in the routine and you say, oh, watch the use. It'll be this week that most Americans will give up on their New Year resolution. I'm calling us today to say yes to God in a way, whatever God put on your heart for this year, to affirm it and reaffirm it today. With a courageous yes. I was reading a news article the other day in a magazine. And in the news magazine it said that toddlers today hear the word no 400 times a day. No, don't do that. No, don't touch that. No, you'll get burned. No, you can't have that. No, you're going to spill that. No, it's not for you. No, don't do that. Don't touch her. Don't touch that. Don't. No, no, no. That 400 times a day... A toddler hears the word no. The article went on to say that, that, it not, that the thing to do is not tell toddlers no so much and we're giving examples such as, they gave an example in the, in the uh, article that if a toddler is banging the table with something, instead of saying no, don't do that, to say this, you're hurting the table when you bang on it and that makes me sad. Please stop. <laughs> I so wish my parents had read that article. My parents never read that article. If I was doing something I shouldn't, banging the table, my parents would give an affirming, corrective, no, no. And it was followed by this, or else you will not be able to sit down for a week. And that doesn't mean they would take the chairs out of the house. Okay? Well, I'm just telling you, in that era, they laid down the law. No. A medical doctor said that you can go, and he, he said, I could put somebody in that, 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 table and roll them in that donut hole to do an MRI. That's what the doctor said. And if I show them the word no, 
before they had the MRI and do the MRI, he said that parts of the brain would be activated just by the word no. Parts of the brain would be stimulated and light up and there would be, there would be activity in the brain just by the induction of the word no. Why? The article went on to say, because we have heard no so much and that every no connects to a former no. No, you can't. No, you shouldn't. No, you, ca you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. No, it didn't work out. Don't try that again. Don't waste the money. Don't do That all of our no's are connected one with the other. And the way we were raised from our parents, no, don't touch, no, you'll get burned, no, you'll do that, that the word no feels like the safest thing to do. That every one of us, we have been, we have been nurtured in the idea that saying no is the safe thing to do. In other words, we are fluent in the word no. And responding yes always feels like a risk and sometimes feels like an unsafe place to go. I'm going to invite you today to give God the most ambitious yes that you have ever given to the Lord. Just here recently, we went to Disney with some of the grandkids. We went to one of the theme parks and there was a Muppet show that was in 3D. My four-year-old Josiah, my grandson, he put on 3D glasses for the first time. And when the moment came for the 3D experience, Josiah leaned back and it startled him. And then I watched that four-year-old, he was doing this. He just knew that that was just Right in front of him, he was trying to grab those 3D images that were right in his face. And I noticed kids all around him doing the same thing. And I noticed this one little boy, probably about eight or nine, he was taking them on, putting them off, taking them on. He was trying to figure out the 3D experience that was going on. For a moment, let me talk to the men. Fellas, can I have your attention for a moment? Many of us are viewing our life through 3D experience. Your frustrations, your defeats, your failures are right in your face. Like it were 3D, it's just right in your face. And every time God gives you a challenge, every time faith is inspired, you want to say no because you see screaming in front of you your failures, your mistakes and everything that's happened in your life because you're looking at your life through the 3D glasses. What are they? Number one, 3D, discouragement. There's some of our men right here, you are so discouraged. You, you've tried, you wanted to do, you hoped to do, but experiences in life just kind of pull the rug out from underneath you. And do you know that... That discouragement, discouragement speaks in the, the language of apostrophe T. It will take your can into a can't. It will take your is into an isn't. 
Discouragement just depletes you. It takes your energy away. It takes your motivation away. It seems to take us down to nothing. And our frustrations make the decisions in our lives. Not only discouragement, number two of the 3D, doubt. Doubt. When discouragement does the talking, doubt does the walking. Discouragement is the loss of hope. Doubt is evidence of defeat. Doubt. I doubt it will work. I doubt I can change it. I doubt I can get through that. I doubt, I doubt I'll be able to pull that out. I doubt I could finish that degree. I doubt we could pay for that. I doubt it will happen. I, I made so many mistakes. I doubt I have the energy for that. And as G. Campbell Morgan said, a great theologian, he says, doubt is born of trouble and a broken heart. You know, you can be a believer and be in doubt. There are men here today, you believe in God, you believe in the Bible. There is faith in your heart, but you're experiencing doubt at the same time. And you're, you're caught in the, in, the, in, the, in the tension of that in your soul. Thomas, he was a believer, but he hit a moment where he was doubting Thomas. And some of us were there. We believe, but we're filled with doubt. But there's another D in the 3D glasses that you're looking at your problems, your failures in your life. And this is going to speak to some. This is a conversation that men in this room, some of you are having right now. Oh, maybe you have not announced it, but it's an internal conversation in your spirit and the recesses of your heart. And the third D I want to address today is the word divorce become hopeless and disappointed in your marriage. And right now you're thinking the way out is divorce. You're, you're seeing divorce as the solution to your problems. You're seeing it as the, as the pathway to a happier life. I talk to men about going to counsel. Oh, pastor, I can't afford counseling. But a year later, they'll afford a lawyer for a divorce and be willing to see their children every other weekend. Why? Because they're looking at their problems and their life through the 3D glasses. And it will magnify all your hurts, your mistakes, the frustrations of your life. And I want to invite the men today to take off your 3D glasses. Fellas, God has something different for you. Take off those 3D glasses. Men, will you give me a year? I'm not talking about a weekend. Will you give me this year? And this year, make the determination. I'm going to take off my 3D glasses. Oh, my tendency is to put them on. My tendency is to say no. I feel like no is the safe thing. Some of us were going to get in a men's group last year, but you said maybe later. Some of us were going to go to conference last year, but we put it off. Some of us were going to make a change. We were going to get into counseling last year, but you said no. No sometimes feels so safe, but no will rob you of your future. And God calls us to an ambitious, courageous yes. Fellas, will you give God your best yes this year? With that in mind, I invite you to join me in the book of Joshua, chapter number 1. 
Let me set the scene. Moses, the great patriarch, is dead. In fact, the book opens up, Moses, my servant, is dead. And then the Lord singles out and says, you, Joshua, I have selected you. You're going to lead my people, Israel, into the promised land. They were on one side of the river, Jordan. And God says, we're going to, I'm going to have Joshua take you to the other side. And this will be the land that you will inhabit. I've actually been to this location. In seven weeks from now, we'll be taking some 80 people to the Holy Land with us on a tour. I've been to the very location the text refers to right now. The river Jordan flows down, and on the one side is actually the land of what's called Jordan, the country of Jordan, and where they passed over into the Holy Land. The river Jordan is there. It's, it looks like a creek. It looks like a stream most times of the year. It looks like you could wade across it. And the water is about a little bit about waist or chest high. But the Bible tells us this is during the flood season. We in South Texas know about flash floods. At the time that this is given, the time the Lord says you're going to go over, at the time, the river Jordan is at the flood stage. I want you to think about a torrent of a stream, a river flowing down, the raging force and the, the turning of the waves and the weight going down about half the distance of this auditorium. Think of a river just streaming down in the force of that. You wouldn't cross that? And here it is, people with 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 carts and children and animals. There's no way they can move to that place. And God says, I want to take you there. And they were at a place where they were living in the here. Here's where we're at. There is where God wants to take us. And every one of us have a here and a there. Your here is the way things are today. The way things are in your career, your family, your heart, your life, with your inhibitions, your frustrations in 3D just in your face. And God is saying, move from here to there. For every one of us, God has a there. And he's calling us from the here we're at to the there God is taking us. And we cross over by giving to God a courageous yes. Joshua chapter number 1, verse number 6 and following. The Bible says, Be strong and courageous because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse number 7, Be strong and very courageous. You see, God retweeted it right here. God said it again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9. It opens up with a question. I'll refer to that. God speaks in questions. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He retweets it again. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then in verse number 10, it's not in the text notes or on the screen, but if you have a print Bible, here's what it says. Then Joshua ordered the people. I could literally say in verse number 10, then Joshua said, yes. Give God the most courageous yes you have ever given God. Let God do for you what you have always wanted and dreamed and know God has for you. Be strong and courageous. I can retranslate that, what God is saying. Don't be average. Don't be average. The average American is overweight. The average American is stressed. The average American has nine friends. The average American will check their phone every 12 minutes. You'll do it some five or six times during this service. Average American. We just, we just follow the average way. Can I suggest to you, at no time did God ever save you when he created you and gifted you and put the strengths in you say, just be average. At no time did God ever say of you, all he wants is average. God sees something better. Average is an insult to the creator God who's made you. And unfortunately, when we accept average, we migrate down to below average. And today in America and today in the church world, below average is the new average. Do you know that today righteousness is determined to be just whatever's right to you? Unfortunately, we have preached grace so much, the, the extreme of grace. We give people permission to pick and choose what they want to do. Never change their life, that God will just rewrite the rules for your lifestyle. We chose average, but we live below average. And God has something very different for you and I. He says, be strong and courageous. Many of us think God says, the same thing in just a different way, just synonyms. No, he repeats it three times. What does strong mean? It's the determination to decide. Strong means to exercise faith. It takes determination. It takes determination to decide. If God is saying something, it takes determination to get into counseling. It takes determination that I, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It takes determination to set aside a day every week to be in the house of the Lord. It takes determination to go through and say, this is how we'll live and these are the values we're going to be by. It takes determination to say and push back when the kids are teenagers, we're not going to allow this language, this entertainment, and this lifestyle to be characteristic of this family and this home. It takes determination to do that. Courage, where, where strong is faith, courage is perseverance. It's the discipline to continue. Once you're strong, you have the determination to decide you need courage, which is the discipline to continue. And that's where some of us are at.
We made decisions. We said we're going to do it different. We said we're going to walk a different pathway, but then we didn't stay with it and we wavered and we didn't follow through. I'm going to invite you to give God a courageous yes. And with that in mind, before the worship team comes, I want to plant a thought in your heart. It's in the, it's in the app notes, but here it is. Obedience always leads to blessing. Obedience always leads to blessing with God. Notice verse number 7 right from the Bible. He says in verse number 7, obey all the law. Not some of it. Not just the ones you like. <laughs> Not just the ones you agree with. What does it mean by the law? In other words, all of the Bible. Believe all, obey all of the Bible. What will happen if I obey all of the Bible? He tells you in verse number 7 that you may be successful wherever you go. If we will obey, God says success will come. I call it the algorithm of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the algorithm, how the kingdom functions, how God functions is we obey and the benefit comes. This is the law of the kingdom. Everything God's going to do in your life it begins with you saying, yes, I will obey. And God says, when you obey, then I will bless. It's the way the kingdom works. You say, yes, I'm going to honor God. And I'm going to always make the right decision. God says, then I will bless you. Don't move in together, young couples. Don't, a couple that's not married yet. Don't move. Don't, don't do what culture says. Establish to do it God's way. Keep the relationship pure. Obey God. And here's what God says. And then I will bless. Then I will put my, my blessing upon the relationship. You see, in the kingdom of God, this is the law. With God, the sacrifice is always on the front end. And the benefits are on the back end. Obey. Follow God. Make the sacrifice, and God says, then you will prosper in all your way. When you honor the Lord in your finances, in your decisions, in your values, in the home, in your career, in your business, when you do it God's way, here's what God says, then I will bless you. But culture invites you to turn it around. And here is the deception of sin. Sin will always give you the pleasures on the front end, but the penalty and the price is on the back end. That's the deception of sin. Sin is always easy on the front end, and it's always hard on the back end. Oh, it's easy to keep that conversation Secret from your spouse? That man at the workplace that thinks you're wonderful and compliments you and your husband doesn't? 
That lady that just thinks you're fascinating, you're the most brilliant, you're, you're, you're the most talented, you're the funniest, you, she just enjoys being around you, and you create a conversation online and texting, and you just have to find ways and excuses to walk by her work area. But you keep that separate from your wife. It's easy and rewarding. It's tantalizing on the front end. But the penalty on the back end is broken trust and a broken relationship. You see, culture will say the pleasure comes first and deceive you and then bring the price in later. But with God, it's reversed. And God is teaching us blessings come at the speed of obedience. The quicker and the faster we obey God, the quicker and the faster blessings come. The quicker I forsake my here and I move to God's there, the quicker God is able to change, bless, and do something in our life. And what we all need to realize is God's biggest miracles on the other side of yes. When you say yes to God, Yes, I'll do it your way. Yes, God, I'm going to follow you. And he is saying, be strong and courageous. There's a reason. Men, we call our conference, stand strong, not sit mildly. There's a reason we call you. Men, join me in my my Wednesday night men's discipleship, the second Wednesday of the month. Join me. Give me a year. Let me lead you to take off those 3D glasses and live and become what God wants you to become. Say boldly, yes, God, this is my year of destiny. This is the year God has for me. Because obedience always brings blessing. Just a moment, the worship team's going to come. But let me share with you. I have never been impaneled on a jury. I've been called to jury duty, but typically when they find out I'm a pastor, they just pass me on because pastors have strong values in areas. We have uncompromising principles, and typically uh, there'll be at least one attorney that says, I don't want his values on the the, the jury pool. But my wife, she likes those, those courtroom drama TV shows. And I've watched some with her before. And there'll be something like this. There's a prosecutor and a defender. There'll be a courtroom scene. Somebody's on trial. Somebody's in the witness box. And evidence will be given and cross-examination will be happening. And all of a sudden, the opposing attorney will say, objection, leading question, to which the judge typically will say, sustained. Well, you see, in a court of law, you cannot ask a leading question. But I want to suggest to us, Every one of us, God's question is always a leading question. In verse number 9, have not I commanded you? It's a closed-in question. It begs, it leads to one answer, and that is yes. God will always ask a question that invites your yes. This year, God's speaking to you in your wishes 
your dreams, your prayers. There's something God has for you, and God is leading you to a yes because yes will take you to God's future and his purpose. The ministry of Jesus in the New Testament. The first spoken word of Jesus at age number 12 is found in the gospel, Luke chapter number 2. The first account we have of Jesus ever saying things, the first red-letter phrase, the Holy Spirit said, deposit this in the Bible, Luke chapter 2. And the very first statement we have Jesus making in the New Testament, he asked a question. You see, God's always going to ask you a leading question. The question is, do you want God's dream for your life? you want God's purpose in your life? Do you want your home life to be better? Do you want to break the cycle of dysfunction? Do you want to experience the peace in what God can do in your marriage? It's it's a leading question. How you answer that. And the answer God wants is, is yes. You see, God is saying, give me a trusting yes and you'll find my protection. God is saying, give me a A yes of faith, I'll believe and I'll surrender to you. And God says that I will come in and I will heal and I will restore. God is saying, will you put me first in your finances? Will you tithe? And God says, if you do, I'll open windows of heaven for you. There is a here and a there for every one of us. And we move into God's purpose by a yes. And I call you. Give God the biggest, the most ambitious and courageous yes you have ever given God. And in this worship moment, to offer that to the Lord. So, this is altar. There's no one leaving. The most important business we're going to do with God is right now. The culture of Westover is to protect the altar. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Put your electronic device aside, your print Bible down. And this is a worship moment. Across this auditorium, in the balcony, in the main floor, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes right now. And we're going to go into a moment of worship and prayer. A moment of worship and prayer. Would you just, would you just say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I, I feel like you've been talking to me for some time. I feel like you've been calling me out of my my safe zone of always saying no, putting God off, giving God an excuse, out of the mild yes to a, uh, out of a mild yes to a courageous yes. Are you ready to make that transition to the state before the Lord? I just want you to, in a moment, in an attitude of prayer right now, just begin to, to get ready for worship. I remind you we're a spirit-filled church. It's all right to pray in the spirit. Spirit-filled people just feel free in the balcony, in the main floor. Just begin to pray in the spirit. It's all right. We're a spirit-filled church. We welcome that here. In just a moment, we're going to worship. The Holy Spirit, fellas, he's been speaking to you. There's a man here. You've had the 3D glasses of divorce on. You've given up. You're so discouraged in your marriage. I'm going to invite you to take off those 3D glasses and see what God can do in your life. You won't get there by just a, a mild, 
a mild okay with God. He's asking for a courageous yes. He's asking for you to go all the way in. There's an obedience. There's something God's wanting from you. And the the benefits will come after you have given to God your best. So across this auditorium, we're going to worship. And our worship is going to be our heart's response to the Lord. So with you, with your spirit and your heart, would you just begin to worship the Lord right now? However it's comfortable for you, whatever seems right to you, whatever seems to come from your heart and your spirit under the Lord, would you just say that under the Lord? Yes, Lord, I will. Yes, Lord, I will. As the worship team leads us now.